All right, Northwest, it's great to hear you talking to each other and getting to know each other. Please go ahead and find your seats, and we'll jump into God's Word this morning together. If you were not here with us last week, then you have no idea what this picture is all about. Um, last week, we started an eight-week series on the life of this guy named Jacob, who lived about 4,000 years ago. And what we said is that Jacob is a messed up guy who's from a messed up family, but nonetheless, God is faithful to him and God is good to him in spite of all of his sin, in spite of all of his trickery. And so what we decided to do, because it's 2023 and we can do this type of stuff, we decided to ask uh, AI uh, to imagine for us what Jacob's family might have looked like if they were a 90s sitcom. So that's what you see in front of you uh, right here, and we're going to continue to get to know some of those characters. But last week, we learned something that's very important for understanding who Jacob is, and that is that Jacob's name literally means the one who grabs the heel, the heel grabber. But what you might not know is that a heel grabber is kind of Hebrew slang for somebody who's a deceiver or somebody who's a trickster. And what we're going to see today, go ahead and open your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 27. In Genesis chapter 27, what we're going to see is that Jacob's heel-grabby, trickster, scam artistry uh, in this chapter really kind of comes front and center. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 27, and I'm going to read a significant chunk of this, I'm going to read all the way into verse 36. So we here at Northwest, we, we believe that the Bible is God's word. And so I want to read you this section so you can hear it directly from the source. Uh, this will probably take a, a couple minutes here. This is a longer section. I'll be reading from the ESV. If you, if you want to, you can flip to that version in your device or, or in your phone. Uh, or if you want to, you can just kind of sit back and, and listen as I read this story about Jacob being this trickster uh, to you this morning. Okay, so Genesis chapter 27, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, so that he could not see, he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went out to the field to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before, before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves and that he may and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you 
before he dies. But Jacob said to, to Rebekah, his mother, he said, Behold, my, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and I will bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went, and he took them, and he brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared the delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and she put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And, when, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son, Jacob. So when he went in to see his father, he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am, <clears throat> I am, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, <clears throat> because the Lord your God granted me success. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And he did not recognize him because and then in verse 22, so Jacob went near to, his, to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, ah, see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let all people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. And cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came back from hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? And he answered, I I'm your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Well, then who was it 
that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And yes, he shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with a great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And then Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would come. Would you help us to understand your word, help us to believe it, help us to obey it, and help us to be able to teach it to others as well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, some of you might have heard this story. Back in 2001, there was a man named George O'Leary who was hired for his dream job as the head football coach at the University of Notre Dame. But only five days after he was hired and announced as a coach, he was forced to resign in disgrace because it had been discovered that he had lied on his resume. What was particularly ironic is that most commentators said that he would have gotten the job even if he hadn't lied. After all, he was a good football coach. But the problem was that George O'Leary wanted that job so badly that he tried to grab onto it through deception and his insecurity. And what he ended up doing is he sabotaged the good thing that was going to happen in his life. And a lot of us, really all of us, including myself, are like George O'Leary. God is a God that has good things that he wants to give to his children. He has good things, he has blessings that he wants to give to you and he wants to give to me. But the problem is that we so often, just like George O'Leary, because we're so impatient, because we're so insecure, we try to grab at God's blessings instead of receiving them. And in the process, we end up screwing stuff up and sabotaging ourselves. And we're looking at a story today in the life of this guy, Jacob, this messed up guy from a messed up family that God is faithful to. And in this story, it's going to be really helpful for us today because we're going to see Jacob do two things, two things that Jacob does that sabotage the blessing that God is trying to bring into his life. I'll go ahead and give you these two things right now. You can go ahead and write them down if you're a note taker. The two things that Jacob does to sabotage the blessing that God is trying to give him. First of all, number one, he grabs the blessing instead of receiving the blessing. And then number two, Jacob he pretends to be somebody that he's not. Okay, so let's look at how Jacob sabotages God's blessing in his life, and we'll learn from that about how we can avoid those same mistakes and experience the blessings, the full abundant blessings that God wants all of us to experience. Okay, so this story unfolds in 
five scenes. It's like a five-act play. And scene one is a conversation between Isaac, the father, and Esau, his older son. And and what he says, he tells him to go and, and make food and bring it back so that he can bless him. So what's going on here is that we talked about this last week, is that those, the people back then, they practiced a tradition called the birthright of the firstborn, which means that when the patriarch of a family is getting near his death, he would pass on the majority of his possessions and his estate, but even more importantly than that, he would pass on the position of spiritual headship in the family, and he would pass those things on to his oldest son, to his firstborn son. This was called the birthright. And he would do this by pronouncing a blessing on his son. So that's what's going on here is he's going to transfer the birthright to Esau, his favorite son, his firstborn son. But really there's more going on here than just uh, transferring some assets. Blessing, when the father blessed the firstborn son, This was a time that the father would really affirm his son and tell his son, son, I love you. Son, I care about you. I'm proud of you. This is your new position, and good things are going to happen to you. That's what's going on here. Now, if you were here last week, there is something that should seem off to you. Does anybody know what it is when you read this or when you hear this? See, if you remember from last week, before Jacob and Esau were born, God had promised that the birthright would go to who? To Jacob, the younger son. But here, Isaac is trying to give the birthright and the blessing to his older son. So let's see how this story unfolds. Scene two is a conversation between Rebekah and Jacob, the younger son. And so Rebekah's being a little bit crafty, and she hears, in verse 9 it says, that Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And so she comes and says to Jacob, hey, you're not going to believe what's happening with Isaac and with Esau. He's going to go make him some food and then come back and give him the food and he's going to get the birthright. So here's what you need to do, Jacob. You need to go out and you need to get me some food. I'll cook for you. I'll make it really delicious. And then you take the meal. After all, this guy's, this old man's, you know, blind as a bat anyway. He can't tell who's in front of him. So you take the food in to your father and he'll think that you are Esau and then he'll give you the birthright instead of giving it to his son Esau. Sounds like a good plan. Now, Jacob, he kind of likes that plan because he wants those same things too. And the only thing he protests about, he doesn't say, well, no, I could never deceive my dad that way. I I don't want to do that to my brother Esau. He doesn't have any problem with that. The only thing he's worried about is getting caught. He says, well, what if I get caught? What if he realizes that it's me and not Esau, and then he's going to get mad at me? Okay. Um, So, what can we learn so far from these first two scenes? What can we learn that we can apply? I think there's something we can learn from the behavior of the parents, and then also something we can learn from the behavior of of Jacob. 
I hope you see in this passage, if you're a parent here today, listen to me very carefully. No matter how old your your kids are, listen to me very carefully. If you're a parent here today, do you see how influential the parents are in the lives of their kids? I hope you see that today. Isaac, the father, loves Esau and doesn't love Jacob. But Esau and Jacob, for their whole lives, they've just been longing for their father to look into their eyes and to bless them, to tell them that he loves them and he's going to take care of them and that good things are going to happen to them. But they don't get it, or at least they don't get it the way they want to or the way they should. I was very blessed to have a father who, though very imperfect, like I'm imperfect, and all of you as fathers are imperfect, I was very blessed to have a father that growing up, I never had to worry about whether he loved me and was proud of me. He made sure that I knew that. And so, parents, this morning I want to ask you a question. Do your kids know that you love them and are proud of them? Maybe you're here and you think, well, my kids don't listen to me anyway. (laughs) Between like ages, you know, like four and 20 or whatever. (laughs) Maybe you think, my kids don't listen to me anyway. What what good's it going to do? You have no idea, even if it feels like they're not paying attention, they crave that affirmation, especially from those of you who are fathers. Do your kids know how much you love them and how proud of them you are? And second of all, I hope you see here, it's not only the words that we say as parents that makes a big impact on our kids, but the habits that we model. The habits that we model. See, Rebecca, when Jacob, when, when they encountered the situation, Rebecca is modeling deceptive, manipulative behavior for her son, Jacob. And that's exactly the type of person that Jacob grows up to become, a manipulator, a trickster, a deceiver. And and, and parents, I want to ask you the question this morning, what types of habits are you modeling for your children? What are they seeing in you about what it looks like to follow God? I, I was also blessed to have a mother who, again, although completely imperfect like all of all of you mothers, and just like I myself am, who modeled good habits for me in her spiritual life. Some of you have noticed, and have mentioned this to me, that sometimes that that I'm in the habit of, if we're talking about something, and you're sharing something with me, that very often I'll just kind of stop right there and say, hey, can we just pray about this right now? And then just go to God directly in prayer. And, And that's something that from the time I was a young age, at the time I was very young, I saw my mom do inside the house. And sometimes it drove me crazy, (laughs) sometimes it embarrassed me, but it stuck, it stuck. So parents, have you affirmed your kids? Do they know that you love them and are proud of them? And what types of habits and behaviors are you teaching to them through your actions and the way you respond to situations in front of you? 
You know, one of the things that we do sometimes here at Northwest is we have a, what we call a family service, where we have Northwest kids are, are with their parents, and we try to create a really interactive time where the kids and the parents can talk, and the message has a lot more questions and discussions and things like that. And we're going to be doing that next week. We're going to do that next week. We're having a family service next week. And I hope, as parents, that you will be particularly excited to bring your kids to that. And the reason is, this is an opportunity for your kids to see your faith in action. This is a chance for them to see you pray, to see you talk about the Bible. And even if you feel like they don't pay any attention to you and nothing's getting through, a lot more gets through than you realize. So that's the first thing we can learn. But the second thing uh, that I want you to see is the first way that Jacob sabotages the blessing that God's trying to give him. And that's that he is trying to grab the blessing. He's trying to grab onto the blessing instead of receiving it with open hands. What's really ironic about what Rebecca and Jacob are doing here is that He's scheming and he's tricking his father and his brother to get something that God already promised to give him anyway. Do you see that? He promised to give him the birthright, but Jacob, instead of trusting that, well, I don't know this whole thing about my father and my brother, I don't know what's going on there, but I know God promised to give me the birthright, and so I'm going to patiently wait and trust that he's got it figured out. And he's going to give me that blessing if he wants me to have it. Instead, he tries to reach out and grab it like that. Jacob has what in my family we sometimes call grabby hands. I don't know if you use this term in your house or not. But sometimes when, for example, when, when Lindsay makes a plate of cookies, or when I make a plate of cookies, but let's be honest, my cookies are not that good. Valerie makes good cookies, but, but anyway... When there's a plate of cookies, <laughs> and you know, Lindsay's putting the plate of cookies down on the table, and here she is, she's making cookies because she wants to give something good to her kids, right? But before she can even put the plate fully down on the table, it's just like a free-for-all. I mean, it's just, you know, grab, and what usually happens is what could be this moment where, and there's plenty of cookies for everybody. <laughs> there's plenty of cookies, but because everybody's trying to grab at it and everybody wants to make sure they get the biggest one and it ends up becoming a fight and people start crying and what could be this really positive experience, it turns sour because they have grabby hands. And what Lindsay and I will say in that situation is, hey, girls, don't have grabby hands. There's enough for everybody. Okay? Jacob has grabby hands. He's trying to grab God's blessing instead of receiving it with open hands. The gospel of Cary, North Carolina. The gospel of Cary, North Carolina is envision what you want in life and then go out and grab it. Envision the type of job, career, home, family, relationships, lifestyle that you want, and then go out and grab it. 
And what, with God, it's the opposite. Do you see that? With God, it's the opposite. And Jacob, although right now he's trying to grab the blessing and seize it from God's hands, over the course of his life, what he's going to see is that that's not the way God works. That what God tells his children to do, it's not our job to go out and grab blessings in life. It's our job, it's your job, it's my job to be faithful, to focus on trusting, loving, and obeying Jesus, and then open our hands and trust that God is a good God who loves to give his children good things, and trust that God is going to give us the blessings that he has planned for us in life. Everybody do this with me. Here's the question is, what do we do about our, our grabby hands? Everybody, everybody put your hand out like you're grabbing something. Everybody do that. Like you're grabbing, please don't grab the hair of the person in front of you. Um, but this is what we should do, okay? Turn your grabby hands upside down. Turn your grabby hands upside down, okay? Sometimes when I'm giving my daughters a gift... This is what I'll tell them to do. I've given them a gift just, just because. What I'll tell them to do is, Daddy has a gift for you. Close your eyes and open your hands. So they close their eyes and they're all like, oh, they can't, they're so excited, they can't. And then I, I put the gift in their hands. And this is the position we should have before God, where we're not trying to go grab something from God, but we're trusting if even a sinful, evil parent like me knows how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does God know how to give you good things, your heavenly father? This is what we need to do. Focus on trusting Jesus, loving Jesus, obeying Jesus, loving others, and serving others. And then you just open your hands and you trust that God's going to pour blessings into your life as he sees fit. And it probably doesn't mean that you're going to get the car that you want or the house that you want or necessarily the career or even the family that you want. But what it does mean is that what God gives you is going to be a life of more significance, more joy, more peace, more love than any type of life that you could ever grab down off the shelf yourself. Okay? So that's the first one. Turn your grabby hands upside down. Well, the second thing that Jacob does to sabotage God's blessing is he pretends to be somebody that he's not. Number one, he tries to grab the blessing instead of receiving it. And number two, he tries to get the blessing by pretending to be somebody that he's not. And this is what we see in scene three of the story, which is a conversation between Jacob and his father Isaac. So remember the problem, Jacob is like, well, my brother Esau, he's got these hairy arms, and I'm a smooth man, <laughs> right? So he's going to feel, I guess he's going to feel his arm, and he's going to know it's not me, he's going to be mad. And so Rebecca, again, has a brilliant plan. She takes the, the, the hair on the she takes the hair from the skins of the goats and she literally wraps it around his arms 
She, he, she wraps it around his arms and then wraps it around his neck so that he, and I guess Esau must have been really hairy if that's what you had to do to feel like Esau. He must have been a real hairy booger, but, um, but, but that's, what he did, that's what she does. And so then he goes in literally dressing up like somebody that he's not. And he goes in, and in verse 22, Isaac can just kind of like, he can just kind of smell that something's off, right? And he says in verse 22, he says, well, the voice is like Jacob's voice, but the, the, the hands are like Esau's hands. And I'm just imagining, you know, Jacob probably had to check his shorts after that as he's sitting there before his father and he realizes that he's about to be found out because he knows he's an imposter. And he's like, oh my gosh, he's trying to hold it together, right? You, just imagine how afraid Jacob would have been. And so after this deception, he receives the blessing. His father finally is convinced that he is Esau and he blesses him. But I can only imagine that for Jacob, that wasn't as satisfying as it should have been. Because after all, he got the blessing, he grabbed the blessing from his father because of his deception. And the truth is that all of us here today are like Jacob. All of us, not only do we try to grab God's blessings instead of receiving them, we put hair on our arms. Not literally, but in the sense that just like Jacob was pretending to be Esau to get what he wanted out of life, we can pretend to be other people to get what we want as well. We crave that type of blessing, but we're afraid that we're not going to get it if people see who we really are. So we put hair on our arms. We tell little white lies to pad our resume. As one pastor said, we spend money that we don't have to buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't like. We try to perform, we try to dress ourselves up as successful businessmen and women, as doctors and lawyers and as successful teachers and as successful pastors and all of this type of stuff. We turn ourselves into these like spineless people pleasers where, where we... Our attitude towards people is like, I'll be whatever you need me to be. Just tell me what you need me to be, and I'll do it if you would just love me. And we do this with God, too. We try to avoid sin, and we try to do good things like come to church or reading our Bible or tithing or something like that, not because we experience our Father's love, but because we're trying to pretend to be a good person so that we can get the blessing from God. So how can we take the hair off our arms? How can we stop pretending? The way we can stop pretending is to receive God's blessing that he gives to you in Jesus. Receive God's blessing that he gives to you in Jesus. About 2,000 years after Jacob, after Jacob 
dressed up like his brother Esau to try to get God's blessing and get his father's blessing. Jesus Christ, the firstborn son of God, he received the greatest blessing in the history of the world. God looked at him at the beginning of his ministry and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus walked around and he saw people who were grabbing with grabby hands just like you and me and who were pretending to be somebody that we're not just like you and I do so often. And Jesus Christ, the only person who never sinned in his entire life, who never pretended, who never grabbed, Jesus Christ, in order to save you and let you receive God's blessing, just like Jacob dressed up like Esau, Jesus Christ dressed up in your sin. He put your sin on himself, and he received the curse that your sin deserved. So that you, if you believe in him, he can literally dress you up in his righteousness and cover you with his righteousness. So that even though all of us here can be rotten, grabby-handed scoundrels that pretend and that manipulate just like Jacob, if we put our trust in Jesus, then we can enjoy God's blessing we can know, if you're in Christ this morning, that Jesus, that God the Father, your heavenly Father, the one whose blessing you crave even more than your earthly Father, he looks at you this morning and he says, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And as you experience God's love, as you really, as you stop trying to dress up like somebody else and instead thank Jesus for dressing up in your sin and allow him to dress you in his righteousness, as you begin to believe the Father's voice that says to you, this is my beloved Kip in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Brittany in whom I am well pleased because of what Jesus has done for you, something amazing starts to happen. The hair starts to fall off of your arms. You don't feel like you have to pretend anymore. I remember when I was in high school, I spent a lot of time trying to dress up as a popular kid who was really good at basketball. And just like Jacob, you know, clenching his butt cheeks before his dad, hoping he doesn't get figured out, just like Jacob, I was scared to death because I was worried that people were going to realize that I wasn't as great as I wanted them to think I was, and they, and they weren't going to give me the blessing and the love and the affirmation that I wanted. And when I was in high school, I started to realize what we talked about today is that the God who created the universe, that he loves me, and he says to me, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased just because I believe in Jesus. And once I started to realize that, more and more, I, I couldn't give a you-know-what what other people thought about me. I just care about 
trusting, loving, and obeying Jesus, and then trusting that whatever blessings God wants me to have, better than the blessings I could design for myself, he'll just put in my hands. You know, the, the fallout from this story with Jacob is in scene four, again, very briefly as we close, in scene four, um, his brother gets so mad he's gonna kill him. And so in scene five, Jacob has to run away from home. And he was just like George O'Leary, he grabbed the blessing that he wanted, but he couldn't experience it because he sabotaged it. And when we try to grab and we try to pretend, we end up hurting other people too. But let me tell you something really cool, I promise I'm almost done, band. Um, as we experience God's love, as we turn our grabby hands upside down, and as we start to let the hair fall off of our arms, we start to be a blessing to other people too. You guys wanna know, very quickly, do you guys wanna know why I love this church? You guys wanna know what I love about this church? In 2009, Lindsay had just been diagnosed with a pretty severe depression. And we were scared. And we were worried that we had to dress ourselves up as perfect Christians that didn't have any real problems in order for people to love us and accept us. And in 2009, it was the first time we ever went to a life group at Northwest Community Church. Shout out for life groups. Shout out to life groups. We sat there and we're so nervous about what are these people thinking about us? Are they gonna like us? Are they gonna love us? Or do we pass the smell test? And then at the end of that time, there was a person who shared about their own struggle with depression and just started crying and started explaining how, man, it's been really hard this week. And we got to see everybody else in that group come around this person and put their hands on that person and pray. And we walked out of that room and we just cried because we said, this is a place where we don't have to have hair on our arms. And if we receive God's love with open hands and we start to open up our lives and let people see the real us, we're gonna be a safe haven for people with grabby hands and hairy arms all over our communities. So as you stand, um, the tables are open. If you're not a disciple of Jesus, we hope that you will become one and experience this love. If you are a disciple of Jesus, yeah, go ahead, stand up, stand up. We've got two more songs to sing. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, we encourage you as you're ready to go and take the, the bread and take the juice. Maybe you wanna come today and you wanna tell God, God, I've been grabbing and today I wanna turn my grabby hands upside down. Maybe you wanna come today and you, say, and you wanna say, God, do you really love me? Are you really pleased with me for who I am without all of the pretending? If you've ever needed confirmation that he does, it's right on those tables because he loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, to dress you up in his righteousness and let you be a part of this community where we can be known and we can be loved. So as we sing these next two songs, uh, come to the table as you feel ready.